0: Podcast. Welcome back. Took a two week sabbatical. Didn't really go anywhere. Uh but I did take two weeks off from the podcast. And had been doing it weekly up until this last week. So apologies if you looked out for that episode, but I would say I needed a break. I but I didn't take a break. I've been just swamped with work. Um So if you've been listening uh, to the past episodes, you know that I was pursuing uh, a real estate license for our first six episodes, and I had, uh, of course, gotten that license towards the end of those episodes and then started working, and I have just been going nonstop. And I'll talk a little bit about that, but like I said, apologies for Ditching out on you. I'd like to probably do this show, you know, once every couple of weeks, maybe make it a bi weekly. Um, I'm going to keep doing the episodes, but maybe, maybe giving myself a bi weekly would be safer. I don't know. Maybe some weeks I'll do it once a week, uh, some bi weekly. Maybe I'll do 15 episodes in one week and surprise everybody. But, uh, I think the important thing is making it, um, you know not putting too much pressure on myself and keeping it uh the purpose going of what it what it is and what it's for is pursuing the dream and entrepreneurship and I got to make sure that I'm also hitting my own goals so I can come back on here and vent or report do all that good stuff but I'm back took my 2 weeks now this is uh episode 107 and I I almost came back last week and did one, but I had such a special guest for us on this episode that I didn't want to, um, just come back and do you know kind of a, a filler episode. I wanted to have have a great guest to follow up those New Orleans episodes that I did, and so we have a great episode planned uh, for this episode. It is uh, Dominic. Dominic is a good friend of mine. He's also kind of a colleague in the same um, field as my store, which is the Dreaming Peddler. About 70% of our business is crystals of all sorts, gems, crystals, rare minerals, meteorites, tektites, all that sort of good stuff. And I had met Dominic through that. Uh, We actually had purchased some items from him at his old position, his old job, when we very first got started. So, um, you know, we, we would see him every once in a while at the place that he used to work. And very quickly we, we became friends and we would really only work with him every time that we went to that one spot. And, um, then one of the times we went up, he announced, he was like, Hey, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. It's been years. There's not really a lot of growth where he was. And I'll tell you, if, if he was my employee, I would, I would have paid this guy handsomely and I'm not saying he was underpaid or anything I I know that it wasn't like a commission thing and like I had said one of the main reasons we went was to deal with with him directly so uh, he had he had set off on his own and um, for a while he he was kind of just doing his own thing online um, and now he has his own business super proud of the guy very happy that he and his uh, his lady friend have started an amazing business up in Mount Ida, Arkansas. Um, and then he is also a YouTube personality. So, and I wanted to make sure I had the numbers right. I pulled, I've got his YouTube up here, but he's got currently 30,000 followers or subscribers, sorry, subscribers, which is even harder than any sort of followers on YouTube. And just coasting through some of his videos, I mean, this guy's got 900,000 on On one of his videos, 300,000 on another, I'm looking at, he's only got 36 videos. He's got hundreds of thousands of views and um, thousands of subscribers. And what he does is he goes out and digs for crystals out in nature. So very interesting on that end. And then uh, aside from, from his YouTube videos and the business he brought, he's just one of our dear friends. We've really liked this guy throughout the years. Um, every time that we go to our shows, our trade shows, where we meet up with our vendors from all over the world and and restock our crystals and our our items for the store, we we generally kind of all of our fellow colleagues and different stores we know we'll all go to the same shows, and so I I especially look forward to those shows not only for the restock and how how amazing it is to see all of that product out in front of you, but because I also get to see some of my friends who you know sometimes they live in different states and they run their stores we've got our friends in Hawaii we of course got Dominic over in Arkansas we have another one of our friends uh Mad Chiller over in Michigan who comes down who I had met through uh Dominic but um it, he's he's just a great guy he's one of the most interesting people i had met in my in my uh travels with this business and so i wanted to Definitely, when I was first thinking about doing this show, he was one of the first people on my list. He's, uh, you know, I'll have to ask him the exact height that he is, but he's—I'm probably—I'm six foot two and shrinking, but I know that he is—he's got to be six foot four, six foot five, long dreads, and he's from Germany. Uh, so we're going to talk to him about what it brought him from being a, a teenager over in Germany to want to come to the US and kind of the uh, variety of paths that he took to eventually get him into Arkansas, where he was pursuing his main dream of of working with crystals, working in the land. So he's coming up in just a couple minutes. But uh, what's going on with me? Man, seven days a week, 24 seven. So I'm, I'm quickly learning, you know, I've, I've had a lot of jobs as I've talked about. And I think that the closest, uh, this, this job reminds me kind of of two jobs that I've had in, and one of them is, is the job that I'm currently doing is this business, uh, the dreaming peddler running, running the store. So starting something from the ground up, kind of having nothing, also having no one really kind of holding your hand doing it, but uh, it also reminds me sort of of tour managing in that you're kind of kind of left to your own devices out there, um, but the pressure's on to make connections. So right now in this in this period that I'm in with the real estate thing, I think that I would assume that a lot of people probably, and I'm what two a month or two into it, I don't even know anymore. honestly, these days have blended together so so nicely. But I, I'm I'm still really fresh in it. But I, I think a lot of people go into it and probably do a nice, healthy, slow start and a slow build. And I'm just not built that way. So uh, I have, you know, I, I have an office in my store in the Dreamy Peddler. But one of the first things I discussed with my brokerage when I was first interviewing them and they were interviewing me um, was, you know, they asked well, would you keep your office where you're at? Would you want to work for home, or do you want to work in our in our brokerage office? And if you want to work here, then we're going to give you you know an office and a desk and and resources and all that stuff. And I said, I was like, until I until I learn the ropes and get going, I'm going to be here. And I don't know if they really uh, believed me or not, knowing how tight in I was with my business. But I I said I was like I'm. You're going to see my face a lot in here. And I really have been there um, every day, and so I was in there yesterday. They are closed on the weekend. People come in and out, but I was in there. Probably did you know maybe five hours. I went in eight a.m. this morning. uh, Mimi forced me to come home about two o'clock. She said we got we got errands to do, but uh, I am I am thriving in this in this environment only because I'm not finding success like right off the bat. I did get my first listing. Uh, in my first month which is what i was wanting to to do is i did get a listing and i've got that listing on the market it was a lead that was built through my through my business the dreaming peddler which is awesome and i i had i had known that i had known that my first resource to tap would be uh, people knowing that i had set up something successful already something that a lot of people liked um, so there was a faith there and i kind of just needed to redirect that attention and, and relate, uh, the services that I'd be able to provide. So I did get my first listing within my first month, really. I mean, it was just trial by fire. So jump in, having to get these agreements together, having to do house walkthroughs and, um, in a lot of ways, you know, shooting from the cuff, so to speak, and kind of feeling my way through it, using a lot of logic. And then some of what I had learned in school, because really a lot of the stuff that they taught us and the, uh, and the courses I took in those, in those 30 days, you know, maybe I was, maybe I was going through it too quickly, but I really think that they weren't teaching uh real world, uh, you know, things that things that had a direct application to the, to the job. So I did get my first listing. It's up. It's currently for sale. Now I'm hunting for buyers, whether that's, a buyer uh, that I find myself, or if it's you know another realtor that's bringing bringing a buyer, I don't care. I'd love to split a commission. I just want to get it properly sold and put that one behind me so that I have I have one and now I can can uh, go for my next. And that's not to say at all that I am not constantly hunting for the next. My main focus right now is is marketing, so that's what I'm spending the majority of my time doing um, in the office, like today. And what is the marketing? So building brand, basically uh, this, starting my store was a really big, uh, really big help because I've gone through a lot of this stuff already. So, you know, making a logo, getting business cards in order, getting flyers, figuring out marketing strategy, the things that were foreign to me were having to do uh, social media. My wife handles the social media for our retail store. And I've been perfectly happy with that. I really don't like social media. I like having a Facebook page that's set to private, and it's mostly, you know, TV, movie news, some sports, and uh, and, and general world news, and then the occasional video of maybe somebody cooking stuff outside, like <laughs> like on a an open fire ASMR type next to a river where they're like cutting a steak on a on a big stone slab and then they throw it right in the fire. Like Facebook knows I like those videos. And so all of a sudden I've thrown Facebook and Instagram for a loop because it's like, oh, this guy's doing real estate now and we're gonna feed him everything about that. But I do have all my socials up and I'm learning how to do you know, Instagram stories and I'm trying to stay engaged. And um, I think I've been doing a good job at it. But it's definitely... Uh, part of the part of the part of the learning curve for me and it's been my main focus so seven days a week I've been working work, working on the marketing side of this whole thing also taking you know my brokerage is great in that they provide me with a lot of the tools and the resources that I would need I'm going out and buying you know my pens my uh, my tape and all of that type of stuff General office supplies, but they are supplying like nice, beautiful uh, uh, letterhead and and envelopes with their with their uh, Ramsey crest on it. So I'm going through, and I have a long list of people that I know through my store. I have a long list of people that I know through family. I have friends. I'm writing all of them personalized uh, letters on this nice letterhead, including a couple business cards in there. Not asking them for their business directly at all. What I ask for, I'm asking for uh, you to think of me in case you hear of somebody asking whether you know somebody. And then also, I say, you know, if there's something that you do want to do, if there's something that you want to help me out with, just go to those uh, social sites that I just started. Give me a like. I ask you guys too. So it's uh, Jason dot TX Realtor. So it's Jason dot TX realtor. And that's what I have as my handle for Instagram and Facebook. And you can see kind of what my, what my listing is and what, um, what my the early forms of my social media presence are going to be. But you got to put yourself out there with the peddler. I could hide behind this, uh, this frog logo that we have and just joke around and say, you know, I'm the peddler and I can stay kind of behind. I actually have a, um, framed picture up by our register. That's a meme. It's my favorite meme, which is Hide the Pain Herald. And if you don't know, you've probably seen it, but don't know what it's called. Um, but it's the guy, I think he's Hungarian, he's an older guy, and he's he's trying to smile in one of those stock photos, but you can just see that he's gritting through his teeth. So I put that into a frame by our register and it says our our founder the ped, the peddler himself so i could always hide behind that and joke around but um now i gotta be out there that's part of, part of the gig got the nice you know nice suits and anytime i leave the house i make sure i'm a little more presentable presentable than i used to be and you know i'm not wearing chucks anymore chuck taylor's gave up the converse and uh because you know everywhere i go kind of representing my own brand now. And I like that. I like the new challenge. Like I said, I got my first listing in my first month, but I didn't sell my first listing in my first month. I got a nice list of buyers, but I didn't sell any of those buyers yet my first month. If I had done it, maybe I'd have have the mistake of thinking that this was easy and it's not easy. And that makes me want to try harder. I love that. I love that it's pushing back against me and that it it it's kind of saying hey you know drop out anytime it's what they that's why they run the the navy seals through the gamut when they do hell week is they purposefully push those guys beyond their their limits so that they are getting people to quit they're like hey please quit this is insane you're not support your body's not supposed to go through this go ahead and quit and uh, the guys that stick around they're like okay well yeah you're you're the material we need so getting a lot of help from one of the top agents in there. He's my age. He's become a great friend, which is which is awesome. He's one of the top in town. I, I really admire what he's built in just the last five years of him doing this. Uh, he's sold, I'm sure, hundreds of millions of dollars in real estate in the last five years since he started. He's got a great business. This guy goes through uh, double-digit listings every month. So I aspire to do that. I'm not going to do it the same way by any means, but I aspire to do that. And hopefully I'd like to do it in less time, which is why I, which is why I'm pushing so hard is I feel like I I can um, just like with the the school, I want to try to clear a lot of the, uh, the normal boundaries and the the normal, um, you know, difficulties that people will come across. So doing it maybe in their first year, I want to get a lot of those out of the way early and that, that might just mean working twice as hard. So I'm with it, but it's great. It's a lot of fun and I'm happy. And I um, am proud that I've got this up and running so fast. And it's nice that I have two businesses now. That was, that was one of the main things I was shooting for was to start a second business with little to no capital. And I've definitely invested, you know, a good portion to get it up and running, which included a new computer and, uh, you know, couple more haircuts than I maybe used to get and, uh, marketing material, all that sort of stuff. But what do you do there? Give yourself a loan, you know? So a portion of it, I gave myself a loan from my wife and I, that'll get paid back first. And then, uh, did a different checking account and you get it yourself a no interest, uh, credit card so that I can track all of those separate purchases, keep them separate when it comes time for tax time then I know what what are my write-offs having to do with just this side of the business. So just a little tidbit, little tip. So uh, I'm not recording this after the interview. Normally I record after the interview. I'm recording this before the interview. So it's seven o'clock where I am over here in the back of the Dreaming Peddler Studios. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, get Dominic on the line. And we are going to do our first remote so, it'll seem seamless to you guys, I'm sure. But I'm going to go ahead and get us up and running and and get the get the show on the road. So, hope you guys enjoy. I'll catch up after the interview. We'll talk a little more. All right. So, we have a, a very special friend, very special guest, as I mentioned in the intro. Got my good friend Dominic. Glad that he could uh make our remote Broadcast here, had some technical issues that we've worked through. The magic of radio and the magic of podcasts is that you do not uh, know that we had any problems, but we've been working on it for what an hour now. Yeah, Dominic. hour and a
1: half or so it seems like. But hey, it's, it's good to catch up, and I'm grateful to be here. You
0: know, we've been catching up. Yeah, and we—I had mentioned that we got all of the talking about me out of the way. We're going to make this all about you now. The spotlight right. on you. But uh, Dominic and I know each other from the. Um, the business of crystals, so to speak. And so we'll talk about that, but tell us where you're broadcasting from today.
1: Doug. Well, I'm sitting in my office right now here in Mount Ida at the Crystal Garden. It's a brand new store that I just opened at the beginning of March.
0: So, yeah. And that, that bird in the background is just perfect. Yeah. Because, I mean, the land is beautiful. And, uh, I mean, you, you're really living in paradise. And I know it's only getting better and better. But, uh. So Dominic and I met uh, through a business that you used to work at. We don't got to name the business, uh, but there's there's several big guys up in the Mount Ida Mountains, and Mount Ida. You know, you can fill us in a little bit on on the draw to Mount Ida, but Mount Ida is full of natural quartz, right? And very iron rich quartz, and um, so there's a lot of 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 big uh, companies, big guys up there that do kind of a tourist uh, you know you can go out there and dig and you can go out and take pictures and picnic and all that and then a couple of them will also do legitimate wholesale business so when we were first starting we went to one of those guys and you happened to be the sales person they put us up with and man I mean that was a strike of fate because you were pretty much the reason we kept going back there but um, when we heard that you were leaving, I was also very happy that you left and that you are going to set out on your, mm-hmm. on your own. So, congratulations!
1: Thank overall. you. Yeah, Thank you. I've, I've definitely been super grateful to my time at the company because you know I learned a lot. I was working there for eleven years, so I learned a lot there. But uh, you know, I knew for several years there towards the end that you know it was time for me to probably move on because you know I felt like my potential was going to be much bigger. If I was able to work for myself instead of just you know staying in that same you know routine working for somebody else and not really making you know getting
0: ahead, That's the only way to learn it, it, is to uh, get get your kicks and get your information <coughs> from somebody else's business. But then you gotta break away and do your own thing. So let's uh, let's let's travel back some years. We're going all the way back to Berlin, Germany, nineteen. 19- eighty something.
1: you want to go to nineteen eighty six when I was born?
0: I, I wasn't gonna give oh. away the age, but yeah, nineteen <laughs> it's it's on you. Nineteen eighty six in Berlin, a young baby. Right,
1: born. the wall was still so, up, can um, you imagine that? I was I was born on the west side. I mean I don't have any memories of that of course, but that's usually what everybody asks. Wow. Yeah, but uh That that's right my parents yeah. were had uh, a property it, right there on the on the borderline pretty much to East Germany, so I do have Faint memories of like walking or like being in the cart you know in the in the buggy and walking along the the border line and like hearing oh hearing gosh, the dogs man. the patrol dogs bark and you know just my my parents talking to my godparents about it all and stuff
0: now did you did you and your friends ever find like a hole in the wall or you know w- was it a thing to try to get to the other side
1: the no, door? not at all it was like pretty much where I was at okay. it was um on the it wasn't this inner city it was just like on the border to east germany so there was just like a big fence and they would like spray all the vegetation and keep it all pretty much like sand so they could see people trying to cross and then they would have you know lights and towers and guards and stuff pretty crazy but the the inner city i think that's really where people were trying to you know get from one side to the to the other more so through tunnels and you know houses and stuff
0: Probably about the same age, you know, when you and I were about the same age, I was living in Hollywood. I was living in the, the depths of Hollywood. I went to uh, this elementary school right in the middle of uh, Sunset Sunset yeah. Boulevard. And um, I and a lot of other kids, we'd have to stay in the after school program for like three or four hours yeah. every day, day, right? And so you're just out on the, the, the concrete playground and they had those big eight foot fences like you're in prison. <laughs> No grass, nothing. But one of the big things we would do, because they would only have one guy that, you know, he didn't, maybe he didn't graduate high school himself, whatever, but they would have one guy monitoring just, you know, 50 plus kids. So we became hooligans. And one of the things we would do <laughs> was was everyone would switch out. And, uh, and you know, like maybe one kid does it this day, another kid does it. But we had this one little spot in the fence where you could push it, push it out and crawl under. And so one kid would collect everybody's money, and then you would go out on Sunset Boulevard in, you know, basically like the late 80s, and you could run down the street and go to the comic book store, and then you would go to 7-Eleven and get some Flaming Hots and Ices and bring them back, and, you know, you would smuggle them under wow. the Wow. And, and we thought that we were just so uh, bad yeah. doing this. Y'all,
1: y'all definitely but, were. You broke
0: out. But But you know talking to you now like had you broken under that fence you might have been shot
1: <laughs> right so, but the thing is I guess I was on the right side you know the people of the East you were wanted on the to right break side out. yeah so I was yeah, I feel like I was blessed from the beginning you know like my family is really wonderful and growing up in Germany and That's in good. Berlin you know you, you get all of those different cultures there's so much freedom you know as I, I think also of course the time that we grew up in you know was seemed a little more easy going, you know, less, less what, strain.
0: What did your parents do? What did they do? For
1: My you? mom was a social worker. Uh, she retired pretty early. So that was nice. We, she was pretty much, you know, always home when I, uh, when I got, came back from school. Did she work for the for the yes. government or did she? Yeah, work? she worked yeah. for the city. And so she would like, um, you know, do health checkups on, on children and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And unemployment.
0: She got a pension. Yes. Yeah. She retired. They do a pension. Okay. What, what did he uh,
1: he worked for the city of Berlin. He was um, kind of like a construction manager. So, like his last big project, he was overseeing the addition of like the Technical Museum of Berlin, and he did like a lot of restoration on um, old sites and like statues and stuff like that. Pretty cool wow. thing, yeah. Pretty cool okay. stuff because you know he w- every time I go back, he like gives us tour of the city, and like he he even says, "Oh, I still have a key for this gate." You know, I don't think it works anymore, but it's like the skate to like the Russian embassy or something crazy, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. What what year did you uh what year did you decide you wanted to leave?
1: Well I left in uh I left permanently in two thousand seven. Or two thousand eight.
0: Okay. So yeah. you spent so you spent basically your entire youth. Yeah, there. I left
1: when I was twenty two. I um I the first time I came to the United States was when I came with my sister because she was a foreign exchange student so she went back to see her host family and i came with her and i think through her i kind of fell in love with this country and you know just the whole culture and then it was clear now did you
0: have did you have some sort of fascination with america though or i mean even like you know france or england did you did you look out and you you said you know there's there's something else out there that i i feel I resonate more than uh yeah i
1: think it's just you know pretty much for the whole world like america just has this big draw through the music through the pop culture through movies through the lifestyle you know the politics so
0: so what what was what was the band and what was the movie that maybe made you if if it could be brought down to one what what were they that uh that made you say hey there's there's something more out ooh, there
1: that's that's a hard question i don't know i mean you know I'm looking at myself now as a teenager, so at that time you know my interests were changing a lot, but you know the Simpsons of course, was a big influence in my life at that age you know like and um you know punk rock like blink one eighty two sublime those kind of that kind of music
0: yeah you'll you'll get in a lot of trouble putting both of those guys in the uh, the punk rock genre, but that's true, what you're saying. <laughs> that's true. it's a <laughs> I think so. You got you got. Blink was like kind of.
1: pop. right. Old. Uh, more. More so new.
0: All. All of us. All of us listen to that though. And then Sublime. That's great that you said that because, you know, they don't get as much of a, a, a great rap for being kind of an American band. But in L. A. They were almost like our our right. band because they were they were in L. Right. A. And um, and you know, played all their first shows around L. A. And so they they were kind of like. Our idols back then we really repped it and when I, as soon as i left everyone everyone knew you know uh caress me down and some of the like date rape song right and all that. but uh i've been a huge sublime fan so that's great to hear that they made it out to germany and
1: come. oh out. yeah well and you know America big was. big time for me too i think at that time was um you know the whole woodstock the the appeal of woodstock and the the, the gender the hippie generation Ninety,
0: 99 no the
1: 69 uh woodstock yeah and just that whole you know anti anti-war nine, movement 99
0: was not a great uh great representation right. for Yeah, I've yeah.
1: never really even looked Maybe into that know. event but I guess it was like a big uh a mess. It was, yeah.
0: There's a great documentary. <laughs> so um so you're were you actually influenced though by any of the uh the bands and the culture that were actually in Germany because ironically, you know, if I'm looking at like kind of 99 2000s uh, one of the bands I really loved was Rammstein, mm-hmm. who I think was coming out and becoming more of a global mm-hmm. band. But that was one of your uh, your, your German uh, com- compatriots. Yeah,
1: not for it. me, but it was interesting because you know when I would come to the United States, people would you know ask me about that and they would you know sing mm-hmm. certain passages. Knew yes, personally. so they were they yeah. kind of broke. <laughs> I think they may have been the first ones that really hit international level.
0: Yeah. So uh, you you come out, you do your vacation, mm-hmm. and you say this is amazing. Mm-hmm. You, I assume you went back. Yes, home. Yes, so I went
1: back home. I was still, I think I was just starting high school after I, I came with my sister. She's three years older than me. And then um, okay. when it was time for my exchange, which is this whole big program that a lot of you know German and European students do, like in eleventh grade, you go for a half a year or for a whole year during high school to another country. It could have been New Zealand. It could have been, you know, any any English-speaking country it's because, amazing. you know, that's my first language, my first foreign language that I chose. And, um, yeah, then you just spend time with the host family. And it's really it's really an amazing program because it, you know, provides that uh, intercultural communication and it's like a lasting... You're almost like an ambassador for peace, you know, in that way because all of a yeah. sudden these these foreign cultures you know, become part of your family pretty much. And, you know, most people stay in touch with their host family for the rest of their lives kind of thing. So it's a really awesome program. And yeah.
0: So when you first moved, uh, when you first moved away from Germany, where did you land in the States? Um,
1: well, the exchange was in Florida. And then when I'm permanently moved to the United States at,
0: I'm, I'm sorry. To After,
1: said, well, actually, it was crazy because, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm thinking, okay, you know, this this is an expensive program for the people from Germany. The host families in America don't get any penny. They don't get nothing. So all the money pretty much goes yeah. to the organization. And I paid an extra $500 to be guaranteed placed in Florida because I didn't want to end up like in the Midwest or something. You know, those horror stories where you just, you feel like, oh, you're stuck. Man,
0: I really hope there's no one from Florida or the Midwest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey i mean i could have ended up in of all i places, probably could like, have ended up in I america
0: i just do not put me in uh do not put me <laughs> right in <a> good way. <laughs> i think if i would have
1: ended up in arkansas i probably would have been kind of frustrated too at the time and look now i'm living here and loving it you know
0: yeah well it really depends on <laughs> what type of host family you well, that's arkansas, true I would, I would guess but um okay so you went into florida where were you in florida? new orlando yeah. okay so did you uh did you do the disney no i nev- never
1: never went to that? disney oh, i man. did the more alternative uh like a lot of canoeing and the everglades and like the springs and right. shell hunting and stuff like that
0: yeah orlando's really two cities you do have the tourist side and then you have this other beautiful community i've been through there on tour and um you know i, I thought it was it was awesome and then i have also been there doing the, the disney thing and felt like i was in a different my bad yeah but, um, okay, so we do our you do your time, you were with a host family, <laughs> mm-hmm. right Did you have to at that point then report back to
1: That's to right. Germany? I went back to Germany. I finished my um high school diploma there, and then um did a little bit of college and then came back for my full time move in two thousand eight and pretty much moved to Hawaii and then you know through. Okay. Through Louisiana, came to Arkansas and pretty much settled down in Arkansas really quick.
0: Well, well back up here. I mean, how did how did you how did Hawaii enter into your uh, your, your your field of vision at all? Um,
1: well, it was uh, at that time pretty much my relation to uh, my my ex partner okay. at the time. She had connections there. Okay, got it. And um, so that's how I was able to you know, experienced that. And since, you know, of course I've built lots of relationships there and since then have been able to revisit and still nurture that beautiful energy that, you know, that is lives in my heart from, from the beautiful Island of Hawaii.
0: A lot of times I talk to people that have served in the military and things, you know, especially out here in Texas and, and they'll tell me, yeah, I was, I was stationed. The majority of my time I was stationed in, uh, in San Diego. (laughs) I'm like, and I know I know the base in San Diego, and I and you know I know that they're doing a hard job. But I've always said there's worse places to get stationed because mm-hmm. you are right mm-hmm. on the ocean. So I, I'll I'll say to you there's there's worse places to land. You you know you talk about all the people that came through uh, Ellis Island, you know, <laughs> coming uh, on the mm-hmm. ships into America the first mm-hmm. time and signing the books and then going into New York. So I I think that you probably got one of the best. Uh, tours into America coming through. Oh, Hawaii.
1: definitely. I mean, it almost doesn't feel like America, except you you see the Walmart and you see the the it highway really system. But other than that, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, that is part. That is a prerequisite. It's actually written into our constitution that there must be a Walmart <laughs> um, if it's going to be a state to to have. Uh, a, that's
1: that's so. probably accurate. Um,
0: so, and then you said you went through. you you, you go through Hawaii which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And then somehow you tear yourself away from Mm -hmm. Hawaii. And you said you went to Louisiana. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, because that's where my ex-partner's family was at. So and my background is in organic farming. So we, you know, it was always my vision. I went to school in Germany for organic farming, and I knew I wanted to start a farm. And so the southeastern United States just seemed the best location, of course, besides Hawaii, but, uh, you know, finances wasn't wasn't really the best there so um
0: so you did organic farming in Hawaii, yes. and then also Louisiana. um
1: no i didn't live there long enough but uh you know we we got the property in okay. arkansas real quick and then started pretty much the farm right away
0: so you know and i and i know you through crystals yes. and gems but w- for you which which came first was your interest in minerals and gems or or was it was it definitely i mean i i know that Both of those pretty much go hand in hand. They do. You're digging in the ground for... for Yeah,
1: it's pretty amazing. Uh, Definitely the the love for farming is my um, true love. Um, You know, pretty much right around when I was 17, you know, right around that time when I was being an exchange student, I had just a lot of spiritual opening happening and a lot of, you know, like new information coming to me and just like really shifting my life around from just being a consumer and just like you know, existing and accepting life as it is to, you know, like reflecting and seeing what my role is and how I contribute and what my responsibility is and how I can do better, how I can serve and all of those things. So, yeah, that was the big, the big shift in my life, I'd say. And then, you know, as I was learning about, like, it was kind of interesting because I was learning about yoga, Kundalini yoga and meditation. And at the same time, learning about Rastafari and ITAR living and, you know, meditation in their way and all of those things. And so, yeah, the, you know, that was pretty much my, my love at that time, you know, it was just studying all the esoteric teachings from all the religions and all the teachings and, you know, channels and just anything I could get my hands on, I was just consuming and trying to practice. And then the next step was, well, you know, healthy body, healthy mind, healthy um, you know, soul or you know, whatever. Um it's clearly like where does the food come from? How do we, you know, nurture ourselves? And then the next step is okay, how do you grow your own food? Um, how do you make your own medicine? All those kind of things. So that's how I really got into farming at that time. Like I felt like it was the biggest um service I could do to the planet, like in terms of um, you know, helping alleviate all the problems that we're facing, you know, food security, Soil health, um, you know, biodiversity, uh, climate change—all of those things can be addressed through farming. So, um, yeah, I was I was super idealistic, and I was just like, "Man, screw school! I don't need to get a degree. I just need to, you know, plant some seeds," kind of thing.
0: Well, I think you know, I mean, listening, to you talk about that though. I think I think most people that have even just you know a tiny bit of interest in clean living or, or, you know, uh, the environment whatsoever, they only go a third into what you're, you've actually done and accomplished and we're interested in where they're like, all right, I want to take care of myself. Now I'm going to just start going to the grocery store and buy right. an organic or, uh, you know, maybe I'll write a check and hope it does something or, you know, what, what have you, but to actually, you know, go to school and then, and then accomplish and actually pursue that well, really I think, so kudos on actually pursuing. Thank
1: you. I think food. for me, it was a lot of um, experiential, like I wanted to feel, you know, and connect with the plant and like really talk to the plants, you know, and have an intimate relationship with the earth. And, you know, like kind of like a, a lot of my inspiration comes from indigenous cultures and just, you know, like seeing the, the garden or the landscape as like an organism and like everything is alive. Everything deserves respect, and you know it's more than just going to the store and buying something, even though you know of course that's that's a huge thing we can do you know vote with our dollars and really tell tell the corporations or whoever you know is providing services to us what what we want and how we can create the the earth that we live on. but yeah I was like I was really kind of combining the spiritual or the spirituality with the physicality and the hard work of gardening. And really, you know, trying to get the most of both of those
0: things. So, what it, I? I don't imagine that your parents, two social workers in Berlin, uh, have dreads and um, are con, are heavily concerned with organic right. farming. Right. What, what? What? Where do you think that that came from? And and what what does the rest of your family think about kind of where you've led your life? Because you've done it successfully. Yes what is the rest of your family? Well, I think
1: now they really proud and they happy for me. I think at the time it was, there was definitely challenges for them, especially, you know, seeing their. I have two older sisters, but I was the only son and, you know, me leaving at 22, not finishing school, you know, not doing the traditional, like finding a wife, having kids and all of that and being so far away. Like now I travel back there every year and you know, it's a whole different story, but I think in the beginning it was pretty hard probably for them and, you know, for me too, of course. Um, but yeah, my, I think, you know, I was, like I said earlier, I was probably pretty blessed living in Germany because the consciousness over there, especially in the 80s and 90s and, you know, 2000s was uh, ahead of America in terms of, you know, probably mm-hmm. can't say all of America, like I know California and New, New York and places like that already you know, I had much more food options too, and more organic farming. But, you know, coming from Germany, it's a highly pacifist society because of the wars. And it's a highly environmental, uh, environmentally shaped society, like very conscientious, uh, very um, trying to save resources, trying to save money, you know, very frugal and, you know, those kind of things. So I think a lot of that also had to do with you know, kind of giving me the right framework for really appreciating nature and really, you know, Chernobyl happened right Mm -hmm. when I was young and people really questioning, like, where's our energy coming from? And, you know, there was a lot of acid rain in the 90s. So they had to address a lot of stuff over there. And, um, you know, the European Union, I mean, say what you want about it, but there's a lot of uh, consumer protection, too, that that happens. Like, for example, in, in America... A farmer can grow gene-manipulated seeds, and you can be the little organic farmer next to them, and their seeds can contaminate your seeds, and then they can sue you because then they, then yeah, they, they can them. sue you because yeah. it's their patent. But in Germany, it's the other way around. If you know if your seeds get contaminated, then you can sue the company, you know, because they need to maintain their their property. You know, they can't just let it go all over kind of thing. So, yeah, the, oh, the whole framework is a little different, so I'm grateful for that. And then my grandma, she went through Second World War with two kids and all her prized possessions and, like, a little cart that she pulled behind her, which pretty much was her pots and plates and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I mean, I can't even imagine having two boys and being by herself. Her husband died in the war and, like, carrying her possessions like that, you know, and,
0: and the in and the
1: rubble of Berlin kind of thing.
0: Is your is your lineage oh, yeah. German? Yeah, through and through. So, where where were your grandparents located? Were they? Um,
1: in they were my my grandfather was um, actually in in modern day Poland, but at the time it was part of Germany, and um, my grandma, she, um, I think it was Eastern Germany, might have also been, you know. Or actually it might have been um closer to the coast, like the um, Baltic Sea kind of thing.
0: Yeah.
1: But yeah, my grandma grew her food until she was ninety years old and she lived in the in the top floor of an apartment building and she had like in Germany it's really cool, like all the people that have apartments they can apply to get like a little garden spot, like a victory garden kind of thing. Uh-huh. And you know, you can't you can't live what there, you but think? you can grow your fruit trees and stuff. So she would always walk there from her apartment, grow all her stuff, have all kinds of fruit trees and make the most delicious pies and lunches and dinners. I mean, I have the best memories of eating at her house. And, you know, she was she was farming until she pretty much couldn't anymore. And she would, like, dig up the cold-sensitive plants, like, in the winter and carry them up into her little windowsill and stuff. And so, Keep right, even here. though, you know, at the time I wasn't really... Like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Let me learn everything I can from this amazing woman. But I think just being in their presence, you know, really did a thing on me, you know, to where it really could bloom. It was like seeds that were planted inside of me. And then later they could sprout yeah. and flourish.
0: Yeah, my uh, my great-grandmother was, um, she was the only one in our family we can see that had actually had a retail store. And it was called antiques and antiques (laughs) so she had a she had an oddity store and like nobody else i barely knew her at all and then had found this out after i had opened it up so i think you know maybe maybe some things linger in our dna and um they need to they need to be expressed at some point they sprouted with you so when did uh when did when did you become interested in crystals though because i mean then I know that the organic farming is a big Mm -hmm. passion of yours, but really your profession and your drive and where you've gone in life has been driven by. Absolutely. You and I are very similar about that.
1: Right. So, um,
0: but we, we differ though, in that I, I kind of fell into it, but I've always admired the fact that you have pursued it.
1: I I kind of feel like I fell into it too. Excuse me. Because so we, you know, we moved to Arkansas and, you know, the biggest reason was, of course, the weather and, you know, cheap land and fairly good water. I mean, good resources and everything. Like, it's a pretty safe area to start a farm. But then, you know, just trying to grow the food and selling at the markets and really, like, using up all all the capital in the property and, like, in structural upgrades and things like that. Like, it became pretty hard, pretty fast. You know, not a lot of money coming in. You You really... Um, tied to a schedule in terms of harvest and getting it to market and you you don't really get a lot of money and this was you know pre-2010 so there really wasn't the market for organic produce like there is today and then I think I was also like super idealistic just thinking I could grow a little bit of everything and make some money and
0: and that's and that's actually though I mean that's the plight of the uh, the farmer I can only speak for the American farmer but I mean the American farmer going back 100 years, you're, you're always pretty much That's breaking it, yeah. even, even with subsidies and everything. So it, it, it's it got to be a uh, sort of a labor Well, and I think today,
1: in today's market, business. it's totally doable. But, you know, from the lessons that I've learned, I would say specialize and focus on like high-end markets like mush- edible mushrooms, mm-hmm. microgreens, you know, processed chickens or, you know, egg-laying hens is also good but um of course diversify is good but like just a strict market garden you know unless you do it fairly big or you have a csa or something like i think you need to have at least like one or two major cash crops you know throughout the whole year where you can kind of you know that's going to pay your bills and then the rest is going to you know be be extra money or something i don't know
0: so when did when did you decide to go work for the uh
1: yeah so about that's it. I was kind of running out of money and I was just looking for jobs and um, actually connected with the, with the owner there over farming too, because that's also his, his background and his passion. So I was hired on as,
0: that really right. And I was hired
1: you. on as his gardener. Yeah. And then it kind of just snowballed from there, you know, and I got, got more involved with the company and doing all the other jobs. And at the same time on my, you know, of course I've, I was fascinated with the area and Mount Ida is known to be the biggest quartz crystal deposit in the world. So it's all like connected. It's all like one big vein or one big deposit. It's like 130 miles Mm -hmm. long and 60 miles wide or something. And so it's unique because there's more quartz in other countries, but not as big of a deposit anywhere in the world. So there's all these mines, you know, and like even before I moved here, like, the first couple of days in Arkansas pretty much spent at the mine and just really getting hooked on that whole process, finding gems and then making jewelry with them. And so at the market, I would, you know, sell them on the side, you know, sell some food, sell some crystals, sell a little bit of jewelry. And then, you know, working at, at Wagner's, we can say his name. I, I really appreciate his company. So I worked for Richard Wagner and um, yeah, then just, you know, got more and more into it and, kind of like the farming, took a backseat more so for my own, you know, benefit, just eating my own homegrown food and really making, making more of a living from the crystals or, you know, working for Richard. So when did
0: you, when did you start, uh, the YouTube channel? So, I mean, and I had mentioned in the intro a little bit, but we've got something pretty impressive here, right? You've, it looks like you've only done 36 videos. Okay. Right. I didn't know that. But you have you have thirty thirty thousand subscribers, mm-hmm. and I can see that your top viewed video, which was four years ago, you have nine hundred and fifteen thousand mm-hmm. views in that. Next one after that is almost three hundred thousand. One after that is one hundred and fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. So I mean, with with thirty six videos and thirty thousand subscribers, you're obviously doing something really dead on, and you know, and I. I'd click through a couple of the videos. I've, I've of, course, of course watched them before and I follow your page but just clicking through them I also see a really high production level and you got the music going. But when did when did you start with, Thank you. with the YouTube?
1: Um, so I was consuming a lot of YouTube right around, I think it was 2016, you know, 2016, 17 watching a lot of the Homestead channels and, you know, like Casey Neistat. I think it was like the heydays of YouTube pretty much. Nobody knew how it worked but people knew that people were making money on youtube and like nowadays it's so so much more transparent and people talk about it so much more openly but anyway so i I saw these people making videos and this one guy i used to watch justin Rhodes. he's a real big um, homesteader and he would have this challenge like you know just challenging anybody to make a video a day for 30 days you know of course I, i never did that but i was just like well you know i can make videos i've i used to make some videos with my friends back in high school and always, you know, love the creative process and figured I have this amazing topic that I'm already really, you know, passionate about and really, you know, have some knowledge about. And so I figured I'd just start sharing it. And um, yeah, I feel like the, the content is relevant and stays relevant because, you know, people come here to dig crystals, so they will Google it, how to dig for crystals, you know, and so all these locations will even for you know a video that I made four years ago still gets plenty of clicks. so I guess my niche is really you know it's really quite great for that's how I'm able to get those numbers I guess you know be just because of the content.
0: And I and I don't assume that it's monetized. I know that they've changed all their their rules on.
1: Yeah, they've gotten stricter but I, I'm actually drawing some money. Um, it's been pretty cool like the first couple of years you know, I'd get a paycheck like every three months or something because it, it has to reach up to $100 before they pay you out. And now yeah. um, this is the first year, or maybe I, I think it started sometime last year that I've gotten a paycheck every month. I mean, it's not much. It's like between $100 and $200. Bucks, but, you know, I haven't yeah. posted a video in like 250 days or something. so almost a year, and I'm still still making a monthly paycheck. So that's pretty cool.
0: But you've also gained, to my understanding, you've gained some customers, right, from your like wholesale crystal sales and jewelry.
1: Absolutely, it's pretty cool to now having this actual physical location, and you know, people that come here, like I said, they've done some research, they've watched some videos, so they stop in, you know, they're not expecting to meet the person they just watched on YouTube, and then it's almost like they get a little starstruck, and so it's kind of funny because I don't feel like you know, I'm any, I'm doing anything special, but, you know, of course they've, they've watched and, um, enjoyed my content. So it's,
0: and I got to share that quick story of the, uh, I I really just love when you and I, you know, I had, I had mentioned in our intro that we we get to meet up at these crystal shows, which is awesome. We usually have a meal together, you and your wonderful lady friend. And, um, that this, this last Tucson that we were at, I was with um, you know I meet up with my friends who run two of the largest crystal shops in Hawaii and uh, it's Fukundo and Emmy. And you know we were planning on meeting up in Tucson and I was like, well, I want to host this big this big dinner at this great Ethiopian restaurant I love to go to, and I want to bring my friends and I really think that you guys would get along. And I don't remember if it was at the table or if it, if it was beforehand. I think it was beforehand, but he had said he was like, Oh my gosh He's like I've been watching him for years <laughs> So you got these guys in Hawaii who um he was he was a big right. fan. And and then when we sat down at the table then you also find out that they're really, really into yes. organic farming and uh they have preserved land in Hawaii yes. where they farm and, and so it was that that was such a great night where right? I kinda sat in the middle and just listened to you guys go on about all these things we right. had in common in, in different parts of the world. And they were also, um I think they're from Argentina, uh-huh. I forget, but uh maybe Chilean. But you know, they're also somebody that were uh that had migrated to America and came through Hawaii and got into the business of crystals and there we were. Interesting all sitting, kind of brought together by it. Yeah, like it makes there.
1: you wonder if we, you know what, if there's certain impulses that, you know, certain groups of people will follow, you know, and then all of a sudden the paths connect and you realize you've been on the same journey. Yeah. It that's it. Cause sometimes I ask myself like how in the world did I end up in Arkansas from Germany? Like I could have, could have really been anywhere or at least stayed in Europe, you know? And so I feel like there's some, and especially now with having this big reach on YouTube, having 15 acres here where I can host people and receive customers and kind of like create an energy of, what it is that I want to bring to this world and that I want to share with this world, and so I do feel like you know there's a certain responsibility or a certain mission that I have that I'm still trying to step into fully, of course.
0: Well, as, as I told you, this was this was the first episode in the first podcast interview that I've done where I didn't really i've got I've got your uh, kind of preliminary notes and what you had sent me, but I didn't I didn't want to sit down and kind of prepare a little outline in some of my questions because I was genuinely curious about uh, about what would make a, uh, a guy move mm-hmm. from Germany to Arkansas, of all places. You don't hear a lot of that. But let me ask you, too, for everyone that's listening out there, how, how tall
1: are you? <laughs> that's a change of subject right there. I'm 6'5". I just found out. I always thought I was 6'4", six six but five. I remeasured I'm 6'5".
0: I, I was talking about it in the intro, and I said I'm I'm a fairly tall guy. I'm six two and getting shorter every year, as you do when you get older. But but I was like I, I there's few people that kind of tower over me, and I think that your dreads add a little height on top of it too. But you know I I just really need to put out the image of of you know what you are. You're you're such an interesting guy, and when you come into a crowd too, you're kind of towering over but everybody. You got your dreads, you got your amazing accent and then a wonderful kind of energy and life about you. you. So it's it's something very unique. It's interesting. And, you know, yeah, it's interesting
1: cuz when you're tall, you don't really at least speaking for myself, like I don't experience myself as tall, you know? Like I, I guess I don't have another perspective,
0: but I think that the world average for men is between 5'7 okay. and 5'9. So we we are we are freakishly right. tall. <laughs> Compared to compared to a world, and I'm sure you know most of that is probably right. China and
1: India. But Japan, it's just like you know, people like, "Oh, you're so tall, this and that," and you know, it's just like, okay, like this is the only only life I know. Like I'm not I'm not judging you, small people.
0: <laughs>
1: but yeah, the, the people at the um, at my hardware store where I buy all my building building stuff for this recent project, they they just call me the German giant. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. So we, of course, knew you, you know, when we first came up there and uh, and as you mentioned, it was Wagner. But we, you know, we had done some of our initial wholesale purchases up at Wagner and we're buying little things and we're searching out different vendors. But really, the only reason we kept coming back was because. Uh, you know, and not like I have any love loss for, for Wagner or anything. Um, he's, he's a very eclectic guy. Um, but, but we were really coming up there because of the amount of help <clears throat> and assistance and knowledge that you were mm-hmm. bringing each time. So we would call ahead and we found ourselves, we're like, well, we don't want to go if you're not there that mm, weekend that's or sweet. whatever. And, and, um, but, it, but I was also very crushed and you don't have to comment on it, but I was crushed when I heard that like, you weren't being, you know, just <laughs> – I'm, I'm not going to say that you weren't paid appropriately or anything like that. But I will say that if you were working for me, you would have been vice president <laughs> of the company. I mean I, I would have made sure that I would have uh, taken somebody like you that not only knew all my product but also made such a an amazing impact for every customer that you were working with. I would have made sure that you were really happy, and I don't. I don't want you to respond mm-hmm. to that at all. I'm just saying that that that's what that's what I think I would have done. But I know that after so many years there, we came up one of the times, and you kind of said to us very quietly, "Hey, listen, this will probably be the last mm-hmm. time that I'm going to be working with you." And um, and and we were both we were both sad and and thrilled, and I think that it was also. You know, thinking about it now, it's a really interesting kind of thing I'm putting together. But you know that your move on kind of also uh, mm-hmm. grew our business because, really, had you not left and kind of opened my eyes to you know the world of of trade shows mm-hmm. and kind of a bigger wholesale world that we mm-hmm. needed to connect with, uh, I probably would have been taking an easier route and um, maybe continued there and continued going locally. But uh, I think that you're breaking away. I got to give you, give you credit. I'm kind of just putting it together, but I, I think that your move also Mm. helped to move us. But um, I think that, you know, once, once you left and um, said that you were going to go start your own thing, I think that that was also kind of what developed our friendship mm-hmm. a little more too, where where now you weren't working there and uh, we weren't just buyers. I think that now we're all kind of just right. level friends, and, and that's where we started hanging out at the uh, at the gem shows and keeping right. in touch. And so all, it went it all went from stuff. me being kind of the
1: middleman of selling you guys stuff to just us supporting each other and trying to find the best deals at or the best vendors at the shows. Which I like a lot better.
0: Exactly. So you, uh, I know that for a bit of time after you, after you decided to leave, which was a very brave decision to do, because you didn't, you didn't initially just go and, you know, start up a retail business. I, if I remember correctly, you went right into. Well, stage, right? Um,
1: <clears throat> while I was still working for the company, I was <clears throat> doing a lot of like weekends events, kind of like coming from the farmer's markets uh, scene and I was just doing like festivals and farmer's markets and selling my crystals and juries through that uh, revenue and so I knew that I would that I could do pretty well you know once I leave the company so it wasn't like a big um, you know leap of faith because I kind of like already established my side hustle and it just became clearer and clearer that like, my side hustle really wants to be my full time gig. And the more I can put mm-hmm. into that, the bigger it can get. And like, it can really sustain me and, and nurture me in good ways and like open new doors. So, when the time was right, uh, you know, I mean, I felt a little bad because I've been there for so long and had built relationships with customers and the owner. And, you know, of course, the comforts and the security. But I didn't, I never look back since you know, since leaving there and I don't think I want to work for anybody else in this lifetime. Mm -hmm.
0: Good. I mean, that that's, that's kind of one of the, uh, the little tidbits I try to impart on people when I'm, when I'm in the store and I was talking to actually a guy that he's been one of our Mm -hmm. customers for years, him and his wife. And I was only in the store for probably 10 minutes coming in and out from doing real estate. And, um, he was talking to me about how he had just gotten fired from one job. He's got a great resume, great uh, profession. So he was immediately picked up, oh, yeah. you know, a week later. But telling me that he's just – he's so sick of – he's in his 20s, but he's just already so sick of that that worry. And I had to ask him. I'm like, well, what what would you rather do? He's like, I'd rather be hmm. a blacksmith. And, you know, now he's – I think he's working – he's either a truck driver. Or he works in the oil industry. like a lot of people here, but – he said, "If I could do anything, I would want to work. I'd be, I'd want to be a blacksmith, and I'd want to work with leather, like to make, you know, leather belts and just satchels and things like that. On his property absolutely. with his own." Um, and and I told him, "I'm like, well, the the number one bit of advice I can give you is just immediately yeah. go out and do absolutely. that absolutely as fast as possible, and start to keep working your mm-hmm. regular day job." and then as soon as you get off work and on your weekends work on this mm-hmm. little side hustle and do everything you can to turn your hobby into your full time because if you do that then you never work a day of work for the rest of your life and you'll you'll work harder Absolutely. than you ever have but you'll never right. feel like you're working and you'll have a security and you
1: you you, f- you have that you know whatever skill you honing in on you know that is something that you can carry with you for the rest of your life versus working with some for somebody and then you leave and you know you've learned stuff but you don't you didn't really become an expert in whatever skill you know you really want to pursue but yeah on that same note like that's what I recommend for people like if they already have something creative that they're actually making a product like jewelry or belts or pouches or tie-dye or anything you know, it's the the time right now is, I mean, I don't know this year, but in general, like there's so many markets and so many events out there that you can, you know, sell those things and people are looking, you know, the consciousness is growing for like handmade things, you know, uh, locally grown, like all these, you know, kind of more slow, like cottage industries, you know, handmade stuff, I think is, is got great outlooks, you know, for becoming self-employed
0: yeah you know the pandemic was was both terrifying Mm -hmm. and terrible but then also in a lot of ways uh kind of you know got the cream rising to the top so to speak where a lot of businesses and a lot of people were forced to become Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs really quickly and uh Mm -hmm. so i think now's the time definitely that was that was the same with our business and i know your business as well but a lot of uh, things kind of sprouted out of the forest mm-hmm. fire. That was the pandemic and where a lot of businesses went down that maybe weren't structured uh, in a way to weather something like that. Uh, just like a forest fire, new life always yep. springs up. So I am trying to encourage anyone that has that uh, that want or their drive that drive to to take advantage of it mm-hmm. as, as soon as possible. Um, but speaking on that that note, uh, after you leaving that previous company and then selling online. You have this year actually opened your doors on a full brick and mortar retail yeah. store, which is yes. absolutely huge. That I think that that's just one of the best things that, that an entrepreneur can try to do. Um, it, it can be one of the most difficult, it can be terrifying and then it becomes really gratifying because that's, that's just a piece of you, uh, It'll always be your first in some ways, but but what what made you decide to actually take that first plunge?
1: Well, uh, yeah, talking about the pandemic, I think it had <clears throat> a lot to do with it because you know I was doing I wasn't quite on the online world too much. I was really depending on you know in-person events, and they were all being canceled pretty much for the whole year, so I was you know where I was making good money or you know enough to live. All of a sudden that whole year was kind of like taken from me and I felt so helpless. Like there was nothing I could do, you know, I couldn't because I wasn't essential, you know, I wasn't selling food. So nobody would allow me at the event, at the markets and all the other ones were just canceled. So I was like, you know, I need something, you know, I was trying to do the online world, but it's just already so much time on the computer with the videos and, you know, just in general being on the phone and stuff. And so I think that's really where I realized, okay, it would be nice to have like my own space where I can, you know, receive customers and kind of create my own vision and my own energy of, you know, how I want to interact with people. And yeah, so that's, I think that's really where that happened. And then, you know, I've always, ever since I separated from from my ex-partner, you know, was looking for a new place to start a farm again and kind of like go back to my roots too so having this place really I think is going to combine those two passions with having the gift shop but then having plenty of land around here to be able to have gardens and um, little herb gardens and stuff and animals and greenhouses and just be able to you know we already have the visitors that come from all over the world and lots of families and children and so it's going to be really exciting to not only share, you know, the beautiful crystals that we find here, but also to be able to, you know, just even just expose people to organic farming, to maybe some vegetables they haven't seen before, some herbal plants they haven't heard of. And, you know, like, because when I look back at my youth in Germany and like, it's stuff that at the time you don't even realize, but, you know, it's a little visit to a to a petting zoo or a, a class trip to an organic farm. And you think, or this sucks because you're 14 years old and you got to harvest onions in the morning and you think this is just the stupidest thing ever. But then 10 years later, all of a sudden you realize, wow, like that little experience really, you know, meant something to me. And now looking back, if I can provide just a little inspiration for the younger generation, you know, something like that. And then 10 years later, all of a sudden, that person will start a farm, you know, because maybe a little seed was planted here that you know, they carried with them.
0: That's awesome. What what was the uh, what was the hardest part of actually getting the doors open and having your first day? What do you think out of all of it? What was the what was the biggest hurdle? Um,
1: probably just finding the right place. Like I was getting really anxious, and I was you know looking at all these different places to buy, and you know, kind of almost losing faith. But then like the universe was always like, no, this isn't it. And, you know, I was almost signing the contract on this one place and then it didn't work out and I was kind of upset about it. And, you know, just to find out, like, it's all meant to be, like this property was supposed to be the right one. It just took a little longer. And, you know, once I feel like once I got it, it was kind of just like a a blessing. Like I still pinch myself, you know, because I was looking at this place, pretty much ever since I moved to Arkansas. And I was like, man, that would be a nice place to buy.
0: In my experience, at least, I don't know if it was like that for you, but opening a store kind of has a has a snowball effect. I mean, once you, once you put the first idea down, for me at least, I don't even remember it all happening, but it seemed like it happened so quick and so many things fell into place and I was just kind of tumbling along with it. As it got bigger and bigger. Yeah, that's how I like feel. And I feel like goal. maybe
1: it's a little different because I'm not looking yeah. to just open like a little shop in a mall or something. You know, I'm my vision was always um, to kind of because I came from, you know, a divorce and just like living three years kind of like on the road in my van, you know, not really settled. So it was always that multifunction kind of like multi dream um, of, you know, having a farm, having a gift shop, having a house having that security. So it all kind of mingled in this one big idea. And yeah, I feel like I kind of, I mean, there's small challenges, but you know, in terms of, I feel like the anxiety of just opening a store, especially in, in a small community like this, and there are so many crystal shops and so many crystal mines and, you know, just like almost being that vulnerable about, okay, this is my product. This is my prices. This is, you know, my art. This is, what I you know, believe or want to send out in the world. And, you know, it's almost like you go from being a little anonymous to all of a sudden being, you know, a public figure in the community. And I mean, I already was that with the YouTube channel, but yeah. Yeah. It's, so yeah, that was, yeah, you know, that exactly. was, there was a little anxiety there for like the first opening weekend. And I feel like I was able to um, overcome some of that by having a neighborhood, par- you know, having neighborhood parties and inviting the community and you know just kind of like being upfront with what what we're doing and stuff you know and what to expect and stuff so everybody kind of feels included and doesn't seem like we're just gonna do you know another business and we don't care about the community kind of thing you know
0: so i always like to ask this of uh some of the entrepreneurs that i've had on so far but um if you had one bit of advice to give your um former self I mean let's let's go back to uh 20 you were 22 when you first took Mm -hmm. your trip out here right what what would be the one bit of advice if you could if you could send a uh an email (laughs) back through time to your former self
1: um I guess you know I don't know I'd probably probably write a whole book (laughs) no I yeah. and
0: what
1: if i think you know i think ahead. a lot of it is about you know surrender and trust and you know like visualize really mm-hmm. visualize what what it is that you have in your heart that you want to see manifest and like you know yeah. take time like you may not have the resources you may not have you know much but you do have an imagination and you can just sit and almost meditate or imagine you know how it would look like how it would feel like and you know that's something I still to the, do to this day. It's like, you know, just sit and visualize, think about projects, think about ideas, and then just kind of let the land talk to me too. And then, you know, I get a lot of resolution out of that. But yeah, just have, have faith that it's going to work out that, you know, what, you, what energy you hold is pretty much what you're going to attract. So you don't have to necessarily work so hard in like making everything, you know, work your way. You can kind of like that's probably what I would tell myself, you know, like just focus on, on the things that you want to bring to this world and how you can do that. And then the rest will fall into place kind of thing.
0: And, and on the business side, what advice would you give to somebody that's mm-hmm. just right about your age, looking to do what you've just done, open a brick and mortar of some type? What is the one little bit of a business advice that you would like to give to maybe help them avoid some sort of pain or heartache that you
1: okay. Got to do um, I f- I feel like my path has been pretty easy for the brick and mortar, so um, I may have not have enough experience in terms of hardship when it comes to that. But I do feel like my path is a pretty good blueprint for other people in terms of, like let's say you're making a product, and you know you're not just printing shirts or something online that you know you don't need need creativity for so much but let's say you're actually a juror or something or you know you, you offer a service or something you like i feel like go to these local events and these markets and test out your product and see you know how much you can make you know whatever it could, it could be baked goods could be anything and then you know you have a good idea of could this work in a storefront too and i feel like of course if it's quality if, if you know if, if the market is ripe for the product it should work
0: So everyone can find you, crystals of Arkansas. So that is at crystals yes. of Arkansas. I know that that's your your YouTube. Is that also going to be? your uh, Yeah, I'm
1: um, uh, crystals of Arkansas. Pretty much on
0: all social media, and then
1: this new project.
0: That's that's gonna that's gonna be for the videos we were talking about. If anyone Correct. wants to go on there and hit a subscribe. And then give give a shout out to the new business. That's
1: right. Yeah. So okay. the new business is the Arkansas Crystal Garden. That's on um, Instagram, on kind of on Facebook, but pretty much right now mostly on Instagram. And um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how much it grows. Um, of course, I have my big audience on Crystals of Arkansas. So pretty much I'm still going to be posting there and going to be sharing updates from this new location too. So that's a good spot to um, to check in. I'd say
0: so you just swing yourself into Mount Ida and then you look for the <laughs> five German dude. He's going to be the first and the last in Arkansas, which is, which is fantastic. Hey, Dominic, I'm glad that you were able to make it onto the program and I appreciate it. Appreciate your friendship and, um, looking forward to our next, uh, our next big dinner. Oh
1: yeah. Those are the our best. Shows. Yes. It's I know. I hope, we, I hope we, I'll be, uh, on the same schedule on the next one.
0: Best of luck in all the journeys. Hey, I'm going to go ahead and keep you on while I just do my quick sign off here. Normally, I'd, I'll, I'll have someone uh, tune out and then I do my little but I'd like right. yeah, thanks, sign off. All right, yeah,
1: and thanks, thanks for having me on the podcast, so, and uh, best of luck on. with this with this podcast. I'm really excited for you. Yeah, so
0: we're gonna we're gonna try. But all you guys out there, thank you for listening. You can find us, of course, Pursuing the Dream Podcast is going to be all of our socials. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. You can email us at info at pursuingthedreampodcast.com info at pursuingthedreampodcast.com You can give a question to me, any of our past guests, or a question for Dominic here. Go ahead and send us an email. But uh, as I mentioned in all the episodes, it's about entrepreneurship. That's what we're looking for. I hope that everyone out there eventually works for themselves in some capacity you can still go out and get yourself a job get yourself a w2 w4 get a paycheck from someone else but just try to get your little side hustle do something you want Mm to do right and uh the the big quote that i try to stick by maybe what you're going through right now today is just prepping you for a dream bigger than you could ever imagine Mm -hmm. keep that in your heart and in your mind Dominic, help us sign out here. Just say a big goodbye to everyone. Hope to see you guys. That's right. Aloha, everybody. Aloha indeed. Have a great week. Enjoy yourselves. Goodbye.